Okay, thanks, North Point. We're in a series called A New Hope. And it started last week. And the whole idea being like, where are we putting our hope? You know, is it in retirement, kind of, kind of the golf, uh, easy chair life? Is that kind of where our hope is rooted? Or, or is it in something like sports? Or maybe it's in something like a, a family, our, our hope is rooted in that? Or maybe a new relationship, hope is rooted in that? And, and, and frankly, I'll just tell you the end from the beginning, which is we, we want to come every week and talk about the fact that our hope is in Christ. Because all those things are good and fun and whatever, but ultimately, <clears throat> our hope is in Christ. And so, I, I don't really want to preamble. I just want to jump into uh, to the text here because I think it's rich and it kind of speaks for itself. So Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be this morning. At least that's where we're going to start. And if you um, have a smartphone, it's on the app this morning, so all the verses are there. Uh, there's some fill-ins if you want to track with those and some thoughts in there. If you don't have the app, we'll put the verses on the screen behind me. If you brought your own Bible, Matthew chapter 5 is where we're going to be. Or if you want to borrow the Pewback Bible, um, that's completely awesome too so just grab something Matthew chapter 5 is where we're starting are we together oh boy I'm losing energy and so are you okay I'll ramp it up a notch here we go Matthew chapter 5 this is an interesting section because um, some some would say this is the only place Uh, some would say this is one of a few places where Jesus actually like preached like he said a bunch of didactic stuff uh, usually Jesus spoke in stories or asked questions, but this is a place where Jesus just gives a bunch of information, and this is kind of where this starts. If you've heard this before, if you've been around, if you have a subheading in your Bible, those big bold things, uh, it calls it the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to go for a few chapters here. Today we're just going to look at chapter 5, the first 12 verses. <clears throat> so this is what happens, this is what Jesus says in chapter 5, verse 1. It says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. So so you get the scene. Jesus has been in ministry for a little while. He's got crowds that are beginning to follow him. They're in this certain place. And the picture on this is probably that they're in like this this bowl-shaped arena where Jesus might be at the bottom, and the crowds are just kind of sitting on the hillside. became like a natural amphitheater, so Jesus could talk and everybody could hear. And this is what Jesus says in verse 3. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you persecute you falsely, say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we have three problems, at least three problems. There's a few problems that we got right out the chute. Here's what they are. Number one, if you've been around church for a while, Church has kind of been your thing. You've maybe been a Christ follower for a while, or at least you've been in church for a while. If you've heard this before, you've already checked out. (laughs) You've said, yeah, Chris, I know. We've heard this before. I've seen this verse. Matter of fact, uh, we know that if you've been around church for a while, maybe you know they call it the Beatitudes. If you have those those subheadings in there underneath where it says Sermon on the Mount, it probably says, 
Beatitudes. And so you're like, yeah, I know, I've heard this before. I've heard pastors preach this. I've heard people tell me these are the B attitudes, like the attitudes we're supposed to be like. You've already checked out because you're thinking somewhere maybe deep down in your head, like, I know that's what we're supposed to be like, but frankly, I don't want to do that stuff. It doesn't seem very fun. How blessed are the poor? I don't, I'm not really into that. Blessed are those who mourn? Like mourning, I'm not really into that. It kind of stinks. Matter of fact, this season for me has been a, lot, a couple of months of um, some, some friends, some, some people that we know well dying, some people we know going through some self-harm issues. There's been way too much of that stuff. And to be honest, I'm, I'm done mourning. I'm really over this mourning thing. And so we look at that, we're like, I don't like to mourn. I like to be a funny guy. I want to be happy. It says, it says, blessed are the meek. I know, Jesus, like, pastors say I'm supposed to be meek, but seriously, like, that guy makes me mad, and I'm just going to let him know, right? Like this con- so we look at this, and one of the problems, if we've heard this before, is we go, yeah, I understand. This is a list of things I'm supposed to be, but honestly, I, I, don't, I don't know, man. I don't want to do that. Right? Second potential problem. If you've not heard this before, if you've not been around church or you've been around church for a little while, but this is fresh stuff for you, or it's been a long time since you've heard it, and we just read it, and you're thinking, okay, I hear all that, but wait a minute. So in order to be blessed by God, I have to do those things? That seems kind of backwards, doesn't it? Like, in order to be blessed by God, I have to be hungry and thirsty. (laughs) So in order to be blessed by God, I have to be a peacemaker? Like, I have to be, like, like, I hear peacemaker, and I think of the word pacifist. Like, I have to be the person that says, let's all just get along. We'll be fine. Right? Like, is that what it's saying? That in order to be blessed by God, I have to be these things? Like, in order to be blessed by God, I have to be falsely persecuted. Oh, that sounds like fun. I have to be insulted. That, that's great. I'm, I, wait a minute. Now, I've been coming to church for a while, and I keep hearing Rick and Chris and Jake and Buzz talk about the fact that there's this Jesus who loves me and who has this plan for me, and, and like life can be abundant and full here and eventually abundant and full in heaven, and that's what I'm thinking about. I, this, all this stuff with like insults and persecution and poor, I'm not really digging that so much. Third potential problem that we have is the word blessed. It's, it's a strange word. It's just a strange word. It's not, I was going to say it's not a word we use in our culture, but it's actually a word we might overuse in our culture. Like when someone sneezes, what do you say? Yeah, why do you say that? You ever think about that? Like why do you say bless you? And so one of these nights when you can't sleep at like 1 a.m. and you're on Google, you know, you can Google where bless you came from. And you'll read that and be like, oh, wait a minute, that feels weird now. Uh, Google it tonight, seriously. Uh, and so we use the phrase, bless you. Okay, and then if you track social media at all, you've probably seen the hashtag blessed all over the place, right? And I'm not knocking that. I'm just, it's sometimes, not all the time, sometimes that's really used as this like humble brag, you know? Like, hey, I just got my $50,000 car, hashtag blessed. <laughs> and you're like, well, yeah, okay, maybe. Maybe that's legitimate and they feel that way. Okay, I'm not really sure how to process that. You know, I just won $10 million in the lottery, hashtag. And you're like, well, I, yeah, maybe that's God. I don't, I don't know. So we try to process this because this word blessed has a lot of baggage with it. And so we read it in the text here, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart. And we're like, 
does that, what does that mean? Is that just a hashtag? Is that, what do we do with that? Because the word blessed is a little bit problematic. <clears throat> so go to the Greek word for it and try and figure that out. The Greek word for blessed in this text is the word makarios, which literally means happy. That didn't help at all, right? Because happiness is such an odd concept for us. Like, like the Thursday evening before you leave on vacation on Friday, you are happy, right? Going home from work. You're singing the song by, by Farrell, happy, right? For real, right? You're just, you're happy. And, and then you take that week vacation and, and, and Sunday night, as you think work starts up on Monday, well, that happiness is gone, right? You're like, oh, right? Because happy is this fleeting concept that seems to come and go and call it like the Disneyland life. Like you're so happy when you, when you finally make it to Disney World and you go through those gates and then it's, you know, 101 degrees, and it's your seventh ride, and each ride is four hours long, and that happiness is like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so the Greek word doesn't help us a lot because it, it literally means happy, but it, it means something different than we, ne- we might necessarily feel in that, this concept of happiness. Sometimes a really good way of understanding a word is by checking out its opposite, and so that's what, that's what I want to do. I want to take us to Luke chapter 12. And I want to I dump us into, um, Jesus is doing some talking. He's going to tell a, a parable or a story or an analogy. And I don't want to get caught up completely in, in the analogy, but I want you to see a, a comparison or a contrasting between two phrases here. So Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 35. It says this. It says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning, like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good. Just pause there for a second. That phrase, it will be good, that's that's a phrase that I want you to see, because that's literally the word makarios. That is the word blessed. So this, this could be translated blessed. Every time it says, it will be good, could literally be translated blessed. So, so it will be good for those servants whose master find them watching when he comes. Truly I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready. Even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house uh, had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come in an hour when you did not expect him. So Peter asks, uh, Lord, are you telling this to everybody or are you telling this to us? So the Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It will be good for the servant whom the master finds doing uh, so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming. And he then begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and in an hour that he is not aware of, and he will cut him to pieces. That's the opposite word. That's the opposite phrase of makarios, the idea of blessed. It, it is a word, it is dichotomos, which means to be torn apart, to be cut into pieces, and assign him a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten. The opposite word of blessed. 
with many blows. But the one who does not uh, know and who does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been trusted with much, much more will be asked. Not getting caught up in kind of a complex analogy that Jesus is telling, a, a story that's got all kinds of rich meaning. I just want us to see those two comparison words. The idea of it will be good is, is the word blessed. And this makes sense to us. Like, like if you're a kid, if you're a 12-year-old, and, and your mom and dad have left for the day, and they've left you at home, and they said, hey, Johnny, here's, here's a list of the things that we want you to do. So just do those things while we're gone. And you do. Nobody's amazed by that, huh? You have good kids. That's very cool. And you do those things, right? So you, you get up early and you start working on those list of chores and you get them done and mom and dad come home early and you're already done with the list. How do you feel? You, you don't have to say it out loud. I just want us to feel this for a minute. How do you feel? Just, you feel right, right? You feel good. You feel safe, like secure, you know mom and dad aren't going to be mad. They're not going to take away your stuff or, or punish you. Like you feel like, yes, right? Like you did it. Am I right? Okay, so what about the opposite? Because that's the idea that, that Jesus is painting in this idea of the, this, this master that leaves and the servants are supposed to be in charge and they're doing the things they're going to do and the master returns and they just have this sense of satisfaction. Like they have this sense that everything is right. They have this feeling that, that everything's going to be okay. The opposite, though, is also true. If, you're, if your parents leave you, Johnny, with a list of things to do, and they go out for the day, and, and you say, forget that. I'm not doing that. You don't do those things. Matter of fact, you do the opposite. Like, you make the house dirtier. You eat all the food in the refrigerator, right? You just lay around in your boxers on the floor, just spread out, right? And your parents come home early, and they see what's happened, how do you feel? It feels like we all feel a little scary right now, don't we? It's uncomfortable. It seems like something, like I'm in trouble, like something's not right. Like mom and dad open that door and they're like, John. I wish I could do that lower. John, or whatever, right? And you're like, oh, snap. And you know trouble's coming. You know there's a problem. You know something's not right. It's like, it's like something inside of you is just like, it like breaks, right? That's the picture of these two concepts, of these two words. This idea of blessed is that idea of satisfaction, feeling like things are right, feeling like things are good, a sense of, of solid contentment, a deep sense of well-being, versus the opposite. In, in Jesus' story, the servant who's lazy and who's wicked and doesn't do what he's supposed to be doing, it, it uses the phrase will be torn apart or beaten because it's like this idea of things are not right. I don't have a sense of well-being. Things are not good. It is not okay. There's a brokenness in their soul. And so we bring that back to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 uses this word blessed, that sense of, of, of comfort, that sense of, of uh, contentment, a sense of deep satisfaction, of deep well-being. But look at what Jesus says, because it doesn't seem so right. Jesus says, like, blessed or content, comfort, a, a great sense of right for those who are poor, for those who mourn, for the meek, for the hungry, for the merciful, for the pure in heart, for the peacemakers, 
persecuted. It, it doesn't seem like it's describing a list of people that are like just have this great sense of well-being. It sounds like it's describing Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, right? Today I'm going to mourn, right? And yet Jesus says, hey, this, 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 this characteristics, this condition, these things that are being written, these, these are people that have this deep sense of comfort and satisfaction. And the question is, how is that? How is that possible? And this is what I think is the key to this entire section. I used to, when I was younger, I used to think that, that Matthew chapter 5, those first 12 verses, were a list of things that I needed to try to do. A list of attitudes I needed to try and figure out how to adopt. So I need, I need to be more meek. I need to be more mournful. I need to be more insulted. And, and I think that that's really a wrong way of looking at that list. Matter of fact, I don't think Jesus anywhere in there uh, says or commands or expects us to try to be that list. Matter of fact, I think Jesus just recognizes that, frankly, like we are that list. <laughs> like, like, like it might be different seasons. It might be different components of these. But like if we step back and look at our lives, haven't we explored all of those? Uh, haven't there been seasons of mourning? And haven't there been seasons where you just feel like you are so uh, pure of heart, you're so single-minded, fiery focused on God and his word and his things, but you feel like you're the only person on the planet doing that? You're like, so weird. And haven't there been seasons where you've just felt merciful? Like That person, they deserve to get it. But you're like, you know what? So do I. And so I'm okay extending mercy. And aren't there seasons where, like, poor in spirit, like, you've come to the conclusion that your spiritual condition is just junk? <laughs> like, you hit the bottom, and you're like, man, I am just a mess. Like, I am so poor spiritually. Like, and funny, it's probably right after a season where you thought you were so pure at heart, like, you're so fiery focused on Christ, and, like, the next day, you're like, oh, I'm a disaster, right? Because we recognize our true spiritual condition. And, and so I don't think this is a list of things that we have to try to become. <laughs> I think it's a list of things that we are, things that we will be, seasons of life that we will go through. And so Jesus says that these folks, like there is a deep sense of satisfaction. There's a blessedness that comes with that. And you say, how is that? How is that possible? Yeah, I recognize, Chris, I, I don't want to be these things, but reality is I, I am these things a lot of times. How is it that I can feel a deep sense of satisfaction? How is it I can feel like this sense of joy or a sense of happiness, a sense of makarios, a sense of blessedness? And I think it's a really simple thing. It's because Jesus is there with you in those things. Amen? Like, like if you look at them, like they're, they're put in couplets. So the first line talks about the condition. I think the second half of every one of these lines talks about Jesus' Jesus's in there with you-ness. Poor Jana has to try and translate that this morning. <laughs> Sorry, Jana. Right. Somehow Jesus is with you in those things. Look at verse 3. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Like you have come to the end of the, your rope. You recognize in your best days that it's just a mess. It says because theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. Like wherever the king is, that's the kingdom. Jesus is there with you in that. And blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because they'll be comforted. By who? By Jesus. Right? And blessed are the meek. Because they'll inherit the earth. So I can, I can not defend myself. I can, it's okay for me to back down, even with my own reputation on the line, and God will take care of that for me because Jesus has got a plan in that. 
And blessed are the peacemakers because they'll be called children of God. They're doing the business of their dad. And you go on and on. But the second half of each of those, I think, is the reality of how Jesus is there with us in that. Here's the point. We're one week into the new year, and you've already blown all your resolutions. I, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe you're doing real well. I'm good for you. Congratulations. We've, we started resolutions. Maybe not. Maybe you don't do that. But the reality is that we recognize we're all a mess. And the cool part of that is that Jesus is there with us in our mess. I think it's so cool to recognize that Jesus isn't so spiritual that he can't be down there with us in our stuff. So when I'm at the end of my rope, sitting in the pit, going, man, my spiritual life is a disaster. It's not like Jesus says, oh, I've got to walk away for a while. Like Jesus is there with us in the midst of that. And that's what brings this deep sense of well-being, satisfaction. It's going to be Okay, I'm blessed in that. Not because I feel great or because I'm happy to realize I'm a mess, but because Jesus is there with me in it. Here's, here's just the last thing that I wrote uh, as I was thinking about how to finish this. It says this, says, There's beauty in the fact that there's hope for me. Because there is hope for me. But that hope isn't found in me or me doing better or me working harder. That hope is found in the fact that Jesus is with me in my mess. Amen?